0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: In this Liverpool game v Man United, it's either Liverpool win it or, and then in the title race, it's Man United win it and a clear Oh, it was a fucking draw. What do we learn from this? Hello and welcome back to Just Another Football Podcast with me and Harry, my co-host. And I watched the Man United-Liverpool game and I thought, I don't know what I've learned from that. I, uh, I I, think, you know, I think going into the game, Man United would have taken a point. Get, uh, at the end of the game, Liverpool would have taken the point. So, you know, it ebbs and flows and Man City loved it. What were your thoughts on the game, Harry?
0: Yeah, wow. It was... Um... very interesting game the way it panned out um and i think you're right to look at it as it was one of those where once it kind of got to that 65 70 minutes it became a case of you can't lose the game at that point a loss will crush you it's different if you know you go there and you're 2-0 down going into the 70th minute and you end up getting beat the sort of psychology of it if you sort of run it close and then you lose late on especially for man united um if you then lose the game, having done the hard yards like that, it's almost more of a more of a crushing blow. Um, it's a difficult one to assess because...
1: Well, th- a- if, we, if we go through the game, I think, yeah. looking at the starting 11s, Henderson at the back uh, gave me worries if I was a Liverpool fan and not playing a traditional centre-back. From, Fabinho's been really good there, but yeah. not playing like... Just a guy that's played centre-back for his entire career was a worry. But then yeah. I, I look at Alisson and I thought the way that they managed the gap between Alisson and the, the the line of the defence was perfect. Yeah.
0: yeah. They cause... still were able, with two centre midfielders, they showed it on Monday Night Football last night, the average position of every player on the pitch. And still with two centre mids playing at centre-back, they were able to play that uh, sort of high line with the average position with the fullbacks obviously in the opposition's half and then the two centre-backs sort of on, on the D of the halfway line. And as you say, it's made easier by the fact that Alisson's really good at sweeping up behind. So anything that gets played in, he's quite good at sort of like tidying up. He's good with his feet. He's good off his line. Um, And you're right to mention the centre-mids playing at centre-back. It's obviously a concern. You don't have specialists there. I think it hurts them in terms of progressing the ball back to front. I think with Van Dijk in there especially, his passing is really good. Um, especially into the forwards, and it just helps them transition quicker and, and catch teams. Ultimately, um, the other thing worth mentioning is if there if everyone's fit and the two centre backs play, those two play in midfield. Yeah. So when you assess their midfield, I remember uh, Gary Neville saying it on the commentary, and I sort of agreed with it. It it was pretty lightweight. It look If you look at it, who was it? It
1: was Thiago, Shakiri and Wayne And yeah. I look at that, them three and just go, that's not the same as. Tiago further up, Fabinho sitting, and then Henderson as a just a ball it, rotator.
0: And I think there's a common kind of misconception in football that if you have more attacking players on the pitch, like that lineup on paper, that he he was forced to play it. Really, I know you know he could have changed the odd centre midfield. Or he could have played Curtis Jones in there, for example. But by and large, it's a, it, you know it's a pretty attacking midfield, and you just assume you're going to create more because you've got more players with kind of attacking, uh, more attacking minded players. The problem is, if you have Fabinho and I say the problem, the counter to that is if you have Fabinho and Henderson in there, you're gonna sustain attacks more because they're gonna win you the ball back quicker. They are in the positions to make the interceptions, make the tackles, and also you're gonna play with more confidence in terms of what's behind you as an attacking unit. Not be scared of giving the ball away, making slap passes, taking risks. Because Man United are a really good team in transition. They've got dangerous players that can attack space. So if you're confident in those behind you to defend that space, then it becomes easier and, and you're more sort of you're less averse. And, and you look at
1: the full backs, they ha- that last season they could really bomb on and that was a real area of success for them as yeah. this.
0: Look, it it's all linked, I think, to their injuries and you you know, people will cite it as an excuse, but if you have your you know, but they didn't have any recognised centre backs on the pitch yesterday. They had two centre midfielders playing there. Um, you know, you're obviously going to miss Van Dyke, but even you know, if they had Gomez and Matip playing and were able to play the two lads in centre midfield, and you just had two recognised players at the back, I do think it would make a difference. But then, um, but, then
1: but then, is that uh, do, is that an issue for not signing them? Because I look at that, I look at Matip, I look at Gomez's injury record, and go, they aren't
0: perfect. No, Van Dyke's Van, Van, Dijk, Dijk, Dijk. Van Dijk's fine because he had a per, he had an almost perfect injury record before. Van Dyke, it's an ACL. They happen. You can't look at that and say he's injury prone or you could have predicted that. You can't because that can happen to absolutely anyone, anyone any yeah. moment. The Matit one, especially Gomez, is a bit similar in the sense he's he's kind of had some long term injuries. I don't think he's prone to picking up kind of muscular injuries, for example. It's just but been, been like the of here and here, playoffs. here and there injury, but yeah. yeah. Matip is a, is a different story altogether. He's had, he's had back issues in the past. He's had uh, muscular injuries. He's, he's injury prone. The year, the year before he, he joined, he had spent an entire year out with an injury at Schalke. Yeah, he's a very, very competent centre-back, Matip. He'd walk into most teams in the league. The problem is you just don't get enough out of him. If I think of his best spell at Liverpool, it was probably a six-month six month spell when they won the Champions League and Gomez was out of the team. And he came in and he stayed fit. And he played really, really well.
1: And then, yeah, and then he came, and then he came back in the in the in the season after and started the season really well. And then got, injured. and then he got injured.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. So, when, when I look at it, I think you're right. It's a hard sell. Is the only other thing I would say. And you know, it's a hard sell to say to anyone. We want you to come in. You're definitely going to be behind Van Dijk. You're probably going to be behind Gomez, and you're probably going to be at best on par with matter But then, but
1: my my counter argument to that would be. So if you they made that argument to Jota to be, you're going to be behind Mane and Salah. Can you break into it? I think it's it? different
0: because you've got four people. I think there's two, so two counters. I would use to that. One is that it's three. It's three positions instead of the two. The second is that if I look at that front three, you could sell it to Jota as you will succeed one of the people in this front three, and it will be kind of your position to make your own. Could actually, you? The way, could you not do that with the centre back? Because Van Dyke's twenty nine now. Matthew's twenty nine. But Van Dyke's going to be there for another three or four seasons at do you least. Think? I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I'd be absolutely shocked if he was, you know, out of the team. Gomez is obviously going to be there long term as well. So I think it's slightly different with forwards. Because also, if you think of attacking trios, how long do they stay together for? Three, two, season, two, Matt, two, three be seasons. Because yeah, they were looking at it last night, um, and they were looking at. Uh, Chelsea and Mourinho's first spell, so when they had, I think it was Drogba, Duff and Robin, they were looking at United under Fergie with Rooney, Tevez, Ronaldo. Uh, they were looking at, they were obviously looking at the Liverpool front three and then they might have had one of the Manchester City front yeah. threes in there from their two league. The point is, none of them stayed together for more than three seasons. This is their fourth season, those three. So you're kind of looking at it, you're looking at their age. I'm not suggesting any kind of physical decline here, but... I do think with someone like Jota, you could say to him, "Look, we want you to come in. You're better than Origi. You're better than Minamino. You're better than Shakiri. You are the man. If anyone picks up a long-term injury, and also you're the man that we want to use off the bench and to provide very, very stiff competition. And in fact, you'd argue that up until this injury, he'd sort of broken into the team. He was there. there yeah, he back.
1: was. Uh, people talk about him replacing Firmino. However, so, the, the, what, the what my last point on this would be that's if you if you're Liverpool, you have Premier League minutes, you have Champions League minutes, you have League Cup, and you have FA Cup over a season. That's in my head. That's enough to give 2,000 minutes to four centre backs. It is. So, it so is. I think, I think I, the idea of a settled eleven, if you're a centre back, doesn't have to be a divisive idea. You could get like a, a Kunde or a, probably maybe
0: a, a Pumacano, but there are options. Yeah, I just I'm looking at it as well. Liverpool are a club that they prioritise. They, they they they're, they're sort of they're not going to spend beyond their means. They're not like a Manchester City or a Chelsea. They don't make the revenues of a Man United. I know they've been successful in recent seasons, but they're still in a position where they need to prioritise certain positions. And I think they went. We need someone to provide competition to the front three because those behind them just aren't really at the levels. And if we get a long-term injury, you're going to be playing the likes of Shakiri, Rigi, Minamino for 30, 40 games.
1: And, oh, and the African Cup of Nations as well. Uh, they weren't sure about uh, that.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing is the centre midfield options, they needed a different kind of player. The Ox and Cater are injured quite a lot and not always effective. Uh, Fabinho, Henson, one they're more kind of in- industrious players than they are flair players. So they wanted to bring someone in like a Thiago that brought him in. Obviously, he's been injured, but I can also understand why they prioritised that position. And I think if you said to them, if you were going to pick another position where you'd want to sign a player, if the money was there, where would it be? And if you asked them that before the season, I think they would have said centre-half.
1: Yeah, I really although, although the selling of Lovren is starting to look questionable.
0: Does it? The selling of Lovren is starting to look questionable, but I think that's another one in terms of trying to make the money to prioritise other positions. It's exactly the same last season that they ended up probably going out of the Champions League because they didn't have a back, better backup goalkeeper. It didn't cost them in the league, they got away with that, but a better goalkeeper they win the tie against atletico madrid and they may be on to win the champions league who knows but it did cost them last season and you could argue it's, well, it's a fact it's costing them again
1: yeah uh the issue with the goalkeeper thing though is, is that is probably the hardest sell in the world of, of... of
0: course it is it, it, it's the he's the alissons the best keeper in the world for me at the moment he's yeah right up top there. three easy he, he's easily top, and he's by far and away the best in the Premier League. So, if and I'm I'd actually say player, one of
1: the most underrated players in the world. I don't think he gets so, half the appreciation.
0: He's so good, and yet you might argue that people talk about Van Dyke a lot more than they talk about him. And maybe Van Dyke being out the side, you kind of notice him more. He's just so. Solid. I remember I said to you the other day, the reason maybe he doesn't get the praise all the time as well, he doesn't make the eye-catching saves like De Gea used to a few seasons ago. And I'm not saying De Gea by any means a bad goalkeeper. They're just different. I think Allison's positioning, his anticipation, his composure is so good. He's in such a good position to save any shot that comes his way that he just makes it look easy. He's very good with his hands, like his handling. Um, good with his hands, that, that helps if you keeper. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, the saves don't need to look eye-catching because he's in the position to make them already. Um, but you're right; it's a hard sell for a backup goalkeeper because that's what you are—you're you, you, you're there. You know, you might get a run like Emmy Martinez did at the end of last season for us, or Allison is prone to the odd injury, so you you'll get your chances. But it's hard to sell it to anyone other than maybe a veteran or an up-and-coming goalkeeper. no one in that, no one in their prime is going to do it no one in you practice yeah, usually playing right. so it's difficult but um, I think on on the balance of it Liverpool would have wanted to win the game they they started on the front foot for about 30 minutes Man United couldn't get a kick and I always thought that if Man United got through that first half an hour that's sort of where they were going to come at them they would grow into the game and get more chances on the counter attack which is kind of happened a bit towards the end of the first half no chances really came a bit but even them countering on Liverpool just sort of planted that seed of doubt in their mind. Can we commit as many bodies for... Uh, I remember Rashford getting it behind a couple of times. Yeah, he was offside, but it only takes one. I remember when yeah. we played them, there was a couple of times where Lacazette went through on the goalkeeper, and, you know, it, it, they're a much better counter-attacking side than we are. So you're sort of looking at it as, OK, we've started the game really well, but I don't know if we can keep playing at this intensity and with this amount of risk. Um... The way the game panned out, I don't think Liverpool will be too unhappy with a point. They keep their home record, they keep a clean sheet, which I think with the personnel they had at the back and in midfield is really important for them. My question to you, and it was sort of put last night on Monday, fo- Monday Night Football, would be have Manchester United missed out or not, or failed to capitalise?
1: I don't think. Firstly,
0: and and I'll let you answer. Firstly, in terms of who was on, who was on the pitch for Liverpool, so the centre backs, the personnel, and secondly, in terms of the way the game panned out, where they got through that initial half an hour spell. It's really easy to do this in hindsight, but you have to, in the sense of, could they have earlier in the game smelt blood and capitalised? That's what I would ask you.
1: For, for, for the weird thing is, to, get, to say to a team that's gone to, gone to Anfield and got a point, do you think you could have done exactly. more? It's a really exactly. hard
0: sell. It, it is a hard sell. And as an Arsenal fan that's watched their team go there four or five seasons and get absolutely battered, I can't imagine myself sitting here with you. Man, <laughs> Man United are ahead of us in their project, but I can't imagine myself sitting here with you and saying, oh my God, I cannot believe we didn't go for them. Yeah. It's,
1: but, uh, and I actually think Man,
0: U- the, Man United uh, have gone in in such good form. Uh, really good results behind them Liverpool are a bit injury stricken they're a bit sort of the, You know, their top players aren't quite hitting the heights that they have done in previous seasons um, and yeah you look at the way the game panned out I, I don't know I, I'm in a position of ambivalence I don't know what I think to be honest
1: uh, see the issue is Bruno had a poor game he did so Bruno has a good game I think they win that game and for the last for the entire 2020 he was having good games so, when I, th- when I th- think about that Man United performance, and I think about first of all, I thought Oli was right to be in that first because no matter what, you look at that lineup and think for the first half an hour, we, we don't know how they're going to play. They've got Henderson at centre back, they because you can't go out and predict that they're going to be a bit more conservative. They, you could maybe argue they're going to be the Liverpool of t- when Salah first came in and he got thirty goals. Hey, well,
0: I, yeah, I think he. he if you're Oli and Soul shot, you're looking at it. It's Liverpool have had nine days off. We've played an FA Cup tie. We've played Burnley. Now we've got Liverpool. So we played two games in between their last game. They're coming off a loss in the Premier League before that to Southampton. They're going to be up for this. Yeah, they are going to be up for this. There is no way they're not going to come. And, us Klopp, in first and Klopp, and Klopp will get them up hour. for it. He will get them up for it. They're going to come for us in that first half an hour. That's the danger spell. If you get through that, you're in a really good position to go on and win the game because it is, is the, the longer it's nil nil, they're not the Liverpool of the previous seasons at the moment. They're not. You know, the, the confidence and the convictions not quite there with them in the sense that they believe they're going to win every single match and have a right to win every single match. And I think he would have been looking at it as if we get through the first half now, get to half time, then get to 60 minutes, which is what they did, their best chances of the game came in that last quarter of the match.
1: Yeah, and you look at the, um, the way that Tottenham played. They were a bit more out there when it tried to be a bit more expansive. And inevitably, they lost the game two one. So
0: they did. So
1: yeah. I, I mean, that that's that, that's and flows because they could have easily won that game if Kane was having a better day or hit hits slips it in. But I still I still think that I wouldn't have if I was only going to Solskjaer, that's the way I would have set up. I, I I thought they were reliant on Shaw having a really good game, and he did, which helped he a lot.
0: Excellent. He was, and and it, we should mention this because we talked about him on the last podcast, and I sort of said he's not quite my cup of tea as a fullback because i like them to do a bit more in terms of attacking output i just think that modern football if you th- if if i was to say to you name me the best five left backs in the world at the moment i think all five of them would be productive in the final third yeah and i look at him at the moment and i know you talk about his chance creation and it's just a perception and i'm happy to be proven wrong but it's just when i watch him if i'm playing manchester united i'm not I don't mind him getting the ball in those positions. Now, granted, in this game, he did probably create the best chance of the match for Bruno Fernandes when he cut it back to him. I thought it was you know, a really good pick-out. And as you said, he's been doing it all season. One comment I thought was interesting on the commentary was... Uh, I can't remember if it was Gary Neville or Martin Tyler talking about how he looks like he's got his uh, power back in his running. Yeah, his acceleration. Really bad, he had that really bad injury against uh, PSV so all those seasons ago took a while to come back from that and then you sort of look at him and you think you know did he lose a bit from that and it's understandable if he did but he's sort of been staying fit and he's a definite first choice at the moment like you look at teller as some people will have said he's come in to be the first choice he's not he's in this cover or competition and at the moment there's one clear better fullback. yeah
1: and i so well i sort I speak to some united fans about this and they said when you watch him go for the ball or go for a tackle feels like he's given 8 out of 10 whereas so far this season it feels like he's given 10 out of 10 and yeah. I would do if it's uh, that is him moving on and growing in confidence from that injury which I is so. which is fair enough because he could have lost his leg
0: this <laughs> it it's it was a hor- it was an awful injury yeah. an awful injury like one of the worst you'll see so it's completely understandable that you might have some demons when sort of like maybe thinking about it they're only human right these footballers you know you expect them to sort of be superhuman super athletes but you, something like that, it's going to stick in your mind a little bit. And I, when I talk to United fans about Luke Shaw, he's a very kind of divisive figure. Some people think he's really good. Some people think he's really average to poor. But I don't think even the most sort of obtuse and um, biggest Luke Shaw critics could have looked at that performance on on Sunday. And said he was anything other than outstanding. Really, yeah, and he's, he's he had Mo Salah in his pocket. As I was about to say, he's locked down obviously. one
1: of the best right wings in the in probably the world the best, for the last five years. It, if
0: you look at it, over the last two seasons, Liverpool are probably the best team in Europe, right? Combined points, they've won a Champions League, they've won a Premier League, a Canter, and Mo Salah has been their top scorer in both those seasons.
1: And he and is, throughout that, they've, a, be, they've talked about how two have had for most of it they've had, they've had two men
0: on Salah, so Mane and Firmino get more space, and he's still done it. He did excellent. I think he had a really good game. And I think Maguire had a really good game. And I'm a very big critic of Maguire. The only criticism, not criticism, but the only thing I'd say about the Man United defence is, if they want to go to that next level and get to the levels of a Liverpool and a Manchester City on a consistent basis every week, I do think they need to play higher up the pitch and close those gaps more. So if you look at the first 30 minutes in particular, well, I can understand why they would be a bit wary, and I do understand it, because they aren't at that level yet of a Liverpool. They're not there yet. They're in good form. They've gone there. They've got a good result. Until they, you know, start hitting those levels consistently, you can't expect them to go there and and be on that level and expect to win the game every time. When I look at their defending, they do concede space. They don't quite push up. They're not quite confident as a unit just yet. It might be that they need to bring someone in at centre back with a bit more pace to play next to one of those two. I think Maguire's probably slightly the better one because he's a bit better in the air, a bit more powerful. So he's the one that you probably say, okay, it's him and one other. Um, But I think it's difficult to criticise them. They've gone there, they've kept a clean sheet, they've, you know, all of them have had at least a seven out of 10 performance. But if, if you're. A Man United fan and you're looking at that and thinking how do we progress to the next level and get more consistency in our performances and dominate games because I think of this season I think that they've won games in moments and moments of quality because they've got quality. I think,
1: I think they tried to do that again on Sunday.
0: Yeah, definitely but that's understandable against Liverpool. I don't expect them to go to Anfield and yeah. dominate the games. Gary Neville said it last night, the best teams under Fergie didn't go to Anfield and dominate the games. You'd always have to stick in there and have your moments. They had their moments yesterday they didn't quite take the chances. you know. If they do, it's lauded as an oligon Gunnar Solskjaer masterclass. Um, but I think if they want to dominate and control games more, have more periods of sustained pressure, then they need to be sort of narrowing the gap between the defence and the midfield and getting to players quicker, pressing with more intensity. And I think that just comes with playing with more confidence as a unit. I don't think it's one player in particular not doing their bit. I think it's just a little bit of... Kind of a resistance to maybe get exposed in behind or, or sort of on the turn, which is understandable because the two centre backs aren't blessed with express pace when you look at them. Yeah,
1: and um, but to be fair, if you look at that, if you look at that Lindelof, Maguire and then they have uh, say it's McTominay and Fred in front of them, that four as a four has been playing together for a year now. Yeah, so they, are, and I think that's quite the kind of thing why you're seeing Man United performances grow is that this team is getting used to playing with each other it hasn't you, you could easily say the 11 that um the Man United would put out since especially since lockdown and when they were on agree. that great run
0: he, he's found a system so earlier in the season it was one defensive midfielder sometimes it'd be Matic I think on the first day of the season it was McTominay uh, against Spurs it was Matic against Brighton it was Matic and then it was Pogba and Fernandes so like a 4-3-3 three, three, and then Greenwood on the right they've gone away from that now because they got Hammered against Spurs, they were lucky not to get hammered at Brighton and Palace gave them a yeah. pretty good dressing down on the opening day. And they, he's kind of he's he's decided that he wants to play two of the he's got three defensive midfielders there in Matic, McTominay, and Fred. It's two of them every time. It's never one of them anymore, unless you know they're playing a really poor team or it's a cup game. I haven't seen him play one of them. I think apart from possibly in the Champions League against. Istanbul, I, I want to say, but. Even, even so, he never does it. I, I, he's learned. It's always been two of them, and it usually is those two. Matic hasn't played as much. Um, it's usually those two, and there is a real benefit to, I think, and I've seen it with Arsenal recently, just having a settled lineup, knowing what team you're going to put out every week. You can make one change here and there, but by and large, it's the same core group of players, and what he's doing there, you've got an established back four and goalkeeper. And you've got two established midfielders. You've got Bruno, that's always going to play. Rashford's probably always going to play. So you're only changing really one or two every every game, if that. Um, and I think that's a big part of why they're starting to pick up results.
1: Yeah, and I, um, I would like to say, I hope we can move on from the Ollie Out stuff now because I feel like he doesn't get as much time as any other manager in the league right now. Well, for the last twelve months at least. Like it's if different. if he if he loses his next game. There'll still be the questions of is he going to manage to take Man United
0: to the league? It's funny because he's never. I've definitely said this on another podcast. He's never bad enough to lose his job because every time he's kind of on the brink, he puts together a run or he pulls it out of the fire. But he's never good enough. He never. And and this, you know, maybe this is where he does get to this level, but he's never quite been good enough to shake the tag of he's a PE teacher, you know, he's really lucky he's been managing Man United, he's got no tactics. And. I'll admit I'm not at that point yet either, but you can't question him at the moment because he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job with the players he's got. His man management looks to be good. I still think the one criticism I would level at them, if you look at the big games they've played this season, one goal against Tottenham, no goals against us, no goals against Chelsea, no goals against Man City, now no goals against Liverpool. Is it a tactical thing? Is it a mental thing where they're sort of a bit cagey in these games? Maybe, yeah. Whatever way you look at it at the moment. Look, 4-0-0 draws isn't a bad thing. They've In these games, they're not getting beaten. Since Spurs, they've tightened up.
1: How many of them, sorry, how many of them are
0: it's, away? 3-0-0 draws. 3-0 draws, a 1-0 loss. Uh, they've played one away. So they've played oh, one wow. away and then they've, they've played us at home, Tottenham at home, Chelsea at home, Man City at home. Uh, that would be all bad result. Man City at home and 0-0 is absolutely. I can that game. I completely that get that game might look to be the turning point. They've just been knocked out of the Champions League. You don't lose that game, and since then they've won all, won all but two games, two draws yeah. away to Leicester and Liverpool to the top three or four. So, you know, that's not a bad result in isolation. The and I, and I'd there.
1: also say with those that Leicester and Liverpool games, they could have easily won them, which you couldn't have yeah. said earlier in no, the season. No, they it they, was the other
0: They could have and. If I look at it, I think that they're not bad results on the surface. The only thing I would say is I think they'll want more in those games. And they've got Arsenal in a couple of weeks. On paper, they should be coming and beating us. They're in better form. They've got better attacking players. But I would be very surprised if they came and thumped us. And I, I look, I'm happy on this podcast to be proven wrong when we react to the game in a couple of weeks. But I'm just looking at it as the evidence wouldn't suggest they're going to do that. And of course it can change, and ultimately at some point it has to change. Um, but that's the only maybe concern I would have with those games is because they're trying to win them in moments, if they don't take their chances at those moments and they're not controlling those games for large periods, they're not quite in the position where they're consistent enough just yet.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And I think Man United, I think Oli would actually say that. Moving on though.
0: I think he would, yeah.
1: Arsenal v West Newcastle. Now this is yeah. It was 3-0 Arsenal, it was. But it was. I, I, I'd like to talk about Newcastle and how, like Newcastle. and how last year their underlying numbers were horrific. They were Norwich bad, and they've come into this year and it feels like they just snag results. They snag. They snagged a result against Liverpool, get a draw. They rely on Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser for a lot of their creativity going forward, and over time, and I would say over the last two months, maybe month. Uh, questions over Bruce have, have been around. Now, what direction do
0: you think Newcastle are taking? Okay, so they did a feature on this last night, looking at Newcastle. So they were comparing Steve Bruce to Rafa Benitez. So looking at the kind of the last four seasons since they've been back up, um, Rafa was there for two seasons. Steve Bruce has been there for two seasons steve bruce this season and last season had more points at this point than rafa benitez did in either of his two seasons last season he picked up 44 points in total i think benitez's best tally was 45. the underlying numbers you talk about so i can't remember the exact ones they put on there was something about passes into the final third uh, possession, their the, the XG, the XG expected points XG would have been on there. They're always terrible. I don't know what their expected points is, but essentially they were comparing the two, uh, two managers, and the the output is worse under Steve Bruce, but it's not considerably worse. So what I would say to you is, on that, and we can talk about the general direction of Newcastle after this, because it kind of feeds into it. When I think of Newcastle, the the football's been really poor for about 10 years now, if you think about it. Yeah, I do think it's been a percentage football. They had one season, I think, under Pardue where they came fifth, and they were sort of quite close to the top four. It was the year Chelsea won the Champions League.
1: But then then their football, apparently, according to Newcastle fans, it was just give it to... happy say and, and Denver Bar and then and they'll just do something magical. even
0: then you might say the football wasn't good but you can't argue with them finishing fifth because they would fucking bite your hand off for it now um, then they gave him a long-term contract wrong thing to do Yeah. Uh, football was poor for, for several years and he gets sacked uh, they bring the interim bloke in I can't remember who it was I think it was John Carver, I want to say. Yeah, and then, but then they go At to the uh, the season, He was a clown. Then they go to Steve McLaren. And the football under McLaren was rubbish and they end up getting relegated that season. Rafa comes in.
1: Rafa, Rafa was now, there for the
0: end of the uh, McLaren season. The end of the McLaren season, they go down and then he brings them back up the next year. I think there's a couple of reasons why they're really loyal towards Rafa. And I do understand it. One is his CV. It's kind of earned him that trust and support with the supporters because he's got a track record of doing it. He's won a Champions League with Liverpool and got them into the top four. Uh, he was a good manager at Valencia. He's managed Real Madrid. Like He's got a track record. It feels
1: like, like Rafa's doing Newcastle a favour when he manages He does.
0: And the second thing I was going to say is he displayed loyalty in when they got relegated. He stuck it out and brought them back up at the first attempt. So I do understand the affinity that the Newcastle fans have for Benitez because I think I would be the same. The problem is the performances under him and the way he was setting them up and you could you could definitely make the argument and i do think it stems from this that the financial backing wasn't there for him to get the players he wanted for them to play more expansively and and dominate games of football against anyone so he was working with what he had essentially and that ultimately is why he left his position in the end because on transfer strategy he just felt he had no say he was being presented these players yep we're signing Joel linton from hoffenheim for 40 million well i don't want him tough we're signing him um he also he also got a lot you got long staff playing he got but you got both the long staff
1: playing so they the can only see thing that. i
0: would say the performances under him weren't good they weren't a good team to watch um i don't think any newcastle fan would tell you that the football under benitez was good and they'll make a good case for why it wasn't good and why it's not his fault and I completely understand that the direction of Newcastle is really concerning it's really really concerning because if you look at it they're trending down their form yeah. is probably the worst in the league bar none and someone like Fulham for example looked to be on the up they look like they did some good business at the end of the window and the football so... they're playing and the performances they're putting together are so much better if you look at the and teams below
1: them, it's Brighton who can do more. Burnley have hit resurgence. Yeah. Fulham, are, yeah. Fulham got a uh, game in hand. Look really good, and even West Brom. Uh, no. That's right. Yeah.
0: Uh, West Brom are a bit similar, but West Brom are in the relegations. Though. The yeah. reason I compare Newcastle to these teams is they've got the points on the board by now. You know, if you think that whether you think they deserve them or not is a different story, and I agree with you in terms of the performances and the underlying numbers last season and this season are really 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 poor and they're really great and i watched them against us i don't think they're deliberately doing it they just don't look very good players they played a 4-2-4 last night and their xg was 0.2 they created absolutely nothing and we're not exactly watertight i know we've been keeping clean sheets but you can get out of defense and they really did nothing and it wasn't i don't think for lack i don't think steve bruce is a great coach i'll be honest i don't think he is at the level they need and you could put it down to coaching that they're not creating stuff. But I think the players are really poor. Like, they brought in Joe Linton and, and Almiron for pretty big transfer fees. A combined on,
1: 65 million, I'd say.
0: That's it, yeah, 40 million, 25. And he just, they just look awful. Andy Carroll looks past it. I think the only person that looks at the level for a club like that is Callum Wilson. And that's the only thing you could say. You could say he is a much better striker than anything that Benitez had to work with when he was there when he had Dwight Gale and Rondon. Yeah. Uh, the midfielders are average. The defence is average. It's just... I think... They're a really, really average team. I think if you ask really a Newcastle different.
1: fan about the difference between the Rafa performances and the performances right now, is under Rafa they still felt hard to beat. It felt like they, they had to... were
0: a better team defensively. They Whereas... don't feel, to me, like a good team defensively. Last night, we opened the scoring on the break. Yeah. And if you're a team that's trying to come and be solid... You can't be getting caught on a counter-attack from a corner. Which is and the and, and part. I think
1: that's what Newcastle want to be. They want to be the team right now that just take points off the bigger team. They liked it when they took think... points off Man City. They liked it,
0: Yeah.
1: whereas now they're just a bit like, was relying no, on darling. The, the
0: only thing I would say is that they did get pelters under Benitez when they... I was reading an article from um, Alan Shearer on The Athletic about it. Obviously, kind of no better person to comment on. Obviously, he's played for the club. He's managed the club. Newcastle born and bred... He's a fan as much as anything. And he was talking about the fact that the biggest problem is there's just no hope. All they want is hope. I don't think they expect to be winning trophies. They haven't won trophies for 50, 60 years. But there's just kind of... It, it's every game. It's accepting that you're going to barely have the ball. You're going to create very few chances. If you do create them, you have to take them. Or the best you're going to take from the game is a draw. and All the money you make is going to go... in it. Michael All C's the pocket. money you make is going to go into the owner's pocket.
1: Yeah, I and think that,
0: ownership dispute at the moment is just.
1: I think I think that's the issue. I think
0: it's a real cloud hanging Newcastle, over the club.
1: There's nothing. There's nothing like Newcastle aren't waiting for a next generation of talent. They're not waiting for, you know, opportunities to become available. It, it, they're, they're, they're just sitting around waiting for a It feels a rudderless.
0: It feels rudderless. You, yeah. you, it's kind of when you ask me what do I what do I see for the future for Newcastle, I don't know. I don't, I, if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd be worried because I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to.
1: Staying, kind of staying in the Premier, best
0: situation is, is. Does it? Do they just want to be a team that finishes 16th, 15th every year at best, and kind of hangs around? And they're just there. And the football's really poor, but they're not the worst team in the league. They're just. They're just average. I, I don't think that that is going to satisfy their fan base at all. And actually, nor should it. They should be up there with the likes of Everton, the likes of Aston Villa. Uh, you look at someone like Southampton at the moment West Ham like they're bigger clubs than all of those or Everton maybe but they're bigger clubs than the other guys guys. so I completely understand any uh, anger frustration resentment towards the situation at the moment I think it's a really complex situation and it's difficult to see it getting resolved at the moment I think it does honestly have to come from a change of ownership but you know, when that's going to come, it, it's not immediately obvious. Yeah. And for Arsenal, Aubameyang's back and Smith is really good. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a good second half from Arsenal. I think we accepted we were going to have a lot of the ball. I think that uh, the positives, as I mentioned, we're we kind of get. They said it afterwards. They said, and I agreed with this, we're getting to see a team and a group of players on the pitch that you actually like. Yeah. The problem is, all season there's been players playing that you just look at an hour before the game and you just go, "Oh my God, why is he playing again?" Why is William playing thinking, again? You can already see it going a certain way, but now you've got the likes of Saka, the likes of Smithway. Martinelli, the likes of Smith Rowe, the likes of Party back in midfield, Rob Holding left back. Rob Hol I, I like Rob Holding. Yeah. I think he's been playing really well and he should get a mention. And he and I think he deserves the contract he's been given and hopefully he can you know go on and be a really good player for us. But, um. If I'm looking at it, I, I'm starting to like the, the, the core of the team that we're building. The problem I think we're going to have, and we've seen this, is that the rotation options and the guys that come in if there are injuries or you've got games in quick succession, the performance dip. I mean, Tierney didn't play the other night against Palace. The performance was so poor, and that's one player. That's one of our key players out of the team, and it's so poor. You take Thomas Party out of the midfield, the, the drop-off is absolutely... Take Smith-Rowe out, to be fair you take Smith out the number 10 role the, who plays there Yeah. so you know I'm really pleased that we're getting results I'm really pleased that from the last 5 games we've taken 13 points we've kept 4 clean sheets in a row in the league 5 in all competitions um, and I'm glad that going into a tough run of games that we've got upcoming we've got at least some form going into them I think the problem we've had all season is we've not been able to get any momentum at any point so when we go into these hard games there's so much pressure on them and you've kind of got no reason to think you're going to win them. Whereas now, because we've been keeping clean sheets, because there's kind of a breath of fresh air in the team, and we've been getting results, there's more confidence around the place. So, it, you know, you don't want to get too carried away. Newcastle aren't a great side, neither at West Brom, neither at, you know, Palace and Brighton. Um, but you have to win the games. And the narrative could have been completely different coming out of those five games if we'd picked up something like half the points we have or even less than that or, or you know, just or just didn't play Smith Rowan uh, Marti- and Martin it's funny Allen. how he stumbled across something isn't it a few yeah. injuries a few COVID issues and suddenly you've got your temper it's like, out, like, it's like, it's like we called it about really four good. months ago you know looking a lot more positive for Arsenal yeah so
1: maybe Arteta listened to us when we said you know play, play the kids but
0: uh, however he's come across it it's working
1: yes it's fine I know, you are the Arteta we know it anyway no ball um my, my my question is and this is a weird one can who who's your who's there for the title now it's in my head it's still city
0: but so what like who who's favorites or who's in it or who's like in it kind of
1: who's in it who's, who's your five names five, in it
0: five names yeah so i'll try and list these off in sort of likely order likelihood order so i think city at the moment are, because of the fixtures they've had as well I think I said this they've kind of gone under the radar a little bit the defense looks really good they've got by far the best defensive record in the league and they've had a few Saturday three o'clock's against Burnley and Fulham and they played Newcastle on boxing like, they've just been getting these routine wins at home that they're kind of there's no real fuss made about them I think the game where people really sat up and took notice of City for the first time this season domestically was the win at uh, Chelsea where they suddenly it was like a a switch went off and for 30 minutes in that first half between minute 15 and 45, they were breathtaking and they were at the levels that they had been in the uh, previous two campaigns to the last one where they picked up 100 points and 98 points. Um, They look at the moment, the front runners, because they're keeping clean sheets. I still don't think the attacking players... You know, it's not quite where it was. They were you know, they huffed and puffed a bit against Brighton the other night. They were good against Palace. Obviously, the They're league. relying on Foden a lot. I think Foden looks excellent. I think he's probably the only talent as an Arsenal fan. I look at the young talent in the league and I look at someone like Bakayo Saka. The only person I think that's been better than him this season and looks maybe slightly ahead in his development is someone like Foden. He just looks excellent. And yeah. you can see why Guardiola, when asked about him last season, was talking about how he's just a complete sell at absolutely no price. There's no price you could put on him. So, he's been really good. He's a top scorer this season, I think. Uh, or he certainly was going into the last game. Um, so, they're there for me. I think second, you have to have Liverpool just because they are the top goal scorers in the division, even with the recent troubles they've been having. We know the levels they can hit. They're not at those levels at the moment, but, it, you know, it can only take one or two games and suddenly they click back into a rhythm and front free start firing and, you know, they, they might get one or two of their centre-backs back. You just don't know. Um, they're there for me. If the, if, they, if if they if things go right for them, they're, they're still an excellent team. Uh, third, I would mention is probably Man United at the moment. Um, I still think we're going to see a dip, but I think that they will be there in the top four at the end of the season because I think they've still got quality in their squad. When, when you look at them now compared to this time last season, what's most impressive for me is their... Options off the bench as well. I think if you look at the starting eleven that they played on uh, Sunday, it's pretty similar to what it was at the end of last season uh, in terms of the personnel they've got available. And they you know, they, they might have made one or two changes here and there, but no one that was in that team wasn't at the club last season. But what they've done in the summer, and you know, their business was ridiculed a little bit, but they've they've got depth on the bench now. So, you know, they've got the likes of uh, Vanderbeek. Uh, Cavani, they can bring off the bench. Um, if they don't play one of the centre midfielders, they can bring Pogba off the bench. They can rotate Fernandez if they want to. If they don't play Martial, they can bring him off the bench. Likes of one Matt is a good player in some situations. Like they've got options, um, and I think that puts them there at the moment. Not, I don't think they're at the levels of those two, but I think they're in the conversation, which is what we said. They're going to need a uh, bit of
1: look. They're going to need a bit of look.
0: I said you did not. They would need the points tally, which doesn't look like it's going to. That points tally can't go above something like eighty-five points. Yeah. They're not at that level, I don't think. Uh, fourth. Who actually? Here's a question for you.
1: Who's getting who's getting fourth in the league then?
0: Well, I think it's Leicester at the moment. I think they're playing better football than Tottenham. It's Leicester or Tottenham. They're the five teams. I, I, I hate saying Tottenham.
1: If 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 Everton win their game at home, they go they go above Liverpool.
0: Okay. Do you think Everton have been playing well?
1: No, but I think they got. Is, is, how long do you sell out for?
0: Not sure. But I th- I just think they've been grinding out results. I don't mean this in a sort of like I don't uh, I don't mean to appear salty about it at all. But Everton against us were really poor, and it said more about us that we lost the game. But they sort of it was a really average performance. They scored from a corner and an. They were poor goal. against Fulham, so like, actually.
1: Yeah, they were poor against they United. Were pretty
0: average against Fulham. They were sort of it was workmanlike at Sheffield United. I didn't see them against Wolves, but it's another win by one goal. Yeah, I'm not. If you want me to be honest, I'm not blown away by them. I think Dominic Albert is a really good player. Uh, James is a very good technical player.
1: I like uh, the Charleston.
0: Dangerous. But then pff, the defence is average. The goalkeeper's poor. Midfield, yeah. not convinced. So, you know, they could get top six, but I don't think they're in that. They're definitely not in the title discussion for me. Oh, God, no. Yeah. And I don't think they're a top four outfit. I don't think they're as good as a Leicester, even a Tottenham. Uh, I'll I, I actually, that, I can
1: actually see Chelsea finishing higher than Tottenham. Uh, I'll throw this everything. out there.
0: I think we could finish above them. I don't think we're on our day if we get into form. I don't think we're much worse than them, and I'm happy like, to revisit this at the end of the season. But I think that the players they've got. Where did they finish last season? It would have been mid-table. Yeah. I don't, are they really that much better than that now?
1: Maybe, maybe a Villa. I'm just, although it matters how these Villa pictures could, come because they've Villa got four could, games. And then I was saying this on earlier
0: the- on Villa. I'm definitely going to get abused by some Everton fan after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you, what'd you mean there, mate? Oh, that's problem, I yeah. think Villa, any injuries in the, and they're banging trouble, because I think if you look at their... God, yeah, the bench is shocking. If Grealish picks up a long-term injury, if uh, Watkins gets injured, If in, concert or... or if... if uh, that's right, if concert picks up an injury, the goalkeeper picks up an injury. Yeah. These things, you know... Uh, if, you if, can argue that a if, lot of the like, top clubs Liverpool have had to do about the best centre-backs so Arsenal have had to do about their £50 million £45 million pound signing if, if something akin to that happened to Villa I know Barclay's been out injured a little bit which has been a blow to them but if, if it's not Mike akin. Cash I think it's my yeah so I, I just think that if they have a few injuries they're struggling a little bit a little bit for depth but at the moment they're playing good football and they're getting good results so you can't you can't argue with it I think they're definitely a top half team as a Southampton and maybe West Ham so i am just taken case it's... for Arsenal to get the top half but it's
1: tight we'll quite, it's, it's exciting it's been a great year so far so
0: yeah it, it's been a very interesting league because if you win something like three or four games in a row or you lose three or four games in a row you could move something like five six positions in the table yeah and my last question as an excitement
1: who's going to be top goal scorer so, there's currently Salah on 13, Son on I was gonna 12. I'm going to
0: it at the moment.
1: Harry Kane on 12, Vardy on 11, Bruno on 11, Dominic Calvert-Lewin on 11, and then Bamford 10, Wilson 8. Um, hmm. I think Vardy. Because I think everything saying? goes through him.
0: Yeah, it does. He gets a lot of the goals. Although, but Harvey Barnes has added goals to his game for Leicester. True. Uh, Madison's chipping in, so it's a positive for them. Who do I think? I think can't say Kane I definitely can't say Kane I'll go Salah just to be contrary
1: nice Vardy so, uh, has the highest XG of any player this year that's mad um,
0: yeah how many penalties has, they had? has he had though do not matter it's something like seven or eight they've had this season is it oh fuck <laughs> yeah at least
1: but anyway thank you for listening to just another Four. our predictions are still from the last one so if you want to go and listen to that then they'll all be there and we'll listen to you next time